This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the Super Spreading Bitcoin 2022 show. Today is September the 20th, 2021. Strong hand, long-term thinking, buying over crying. That's something to do today. There's a lot of crying going on. You should be buying, just like the dictator of El Salvador is doing right now. He's buying 700 Bitcoin they got down there. That's pretty good. We're uh, we're one day closer to a trillion-dollar market cap. We're one day closer to the Bitcoin 2022 uh, conference uh, on April the 6th. Uh, and to the ninth in uh, glorious Miami. We're going to talk about that. There's the guys over at Bitcoin Magazine and Bitcoin 2022. They're making this show possible every week where I bring you the best freaking guests in the space just to talk about what's going on. Brian Jacobo is the uh, special guest this week. We're doing it on a Monday. Last week we did it on a Wednesday. It is linked to below. Hello, my elite friends. Any questions? We've got answers, so do a super chat. We only need to raise $28 more to do another show this week. And of course, every week we're going to do a Bitcoin uh, 2022 show. We're super spreading about Bitcoin 2022. But as you know, last year, the mainstream media spread super spreader lies about Bitcoin 2021, and it was just a super spreader of glory, not of any sickness down in Miami in June, but it's coming up again, April 6th to 9th, link to below, affiliate links, you can get discount codes, join me there, I'm going to be there, Christian's going to be there, I don't know if Brian's going to be there, he wanted to be there this year, he was in Georgia, he's close by, he could drive down to Florida, how you doing Brian, what's up? Doing well, doing well, yeah, I'm very bummed I missed it uh, this this past year, but I think uh, April 2022, I sh I sh you should see me there in attendance for sure. All right. All right. We'll talk a little bit more about the show uh, because uh, about the event, uh, because it was uh, the mainstream media spread fake news about it. And we're going to talk about uh, how easy it is to spread <laughs> fake news in, in the space and just in life in general with, with El Salvador. My Lord, the, the, all the uh, all the recent stories about El Salvador and the mainstream media, you, you think the people are ready to overthrow the government because they don't like Bitcoin or, or something like that. Uh uh, all right. Uh, but uh, we, and of course, at the Bitcoin 2021 event, that's where uh, we first learned about the guy, uh, the, the president of El Salvador, the dictator, whatever you want to call him, Bukaki, how uh, he wanted to buy uh, Bitcoin. And hey, he bought the dip today while everybody's crying about China. El Salvador is a buy in, baby. Now, I want everybody to pound that like button also. So, yeah, send your super chats, send your questions again. We want more shows. I do. I want to thank the dudes who contributed last time around. Uh, and uh, who, who is that last time? Uh, Marco Esquandios and uh, one, two, three, no, Anthony Monero, Johnny Mindis, Craig Ship, uh, Charlton, you are all great. I also want to say a shout out to another great supporter of the show through the years, Vention. And this is very serious, uh, what I want to say about Vention here. Uh, as everyone knows, Vention has been in, very ill lately. You can go to his channel and you can see that um, he has one goal left. He's in the hospital and it's just to get back to his house. And uh, he'll once he gets back to his house, he's going to take care of business. And um, it's just this man has such conviction. And I know it may seem simple to all of you to get back to your house uh, when you're in a hospital. Um, but this is just one final goal of his. So I'm just... I'm hoping Vention can get back to his house and just be comfortable there. Um, so we're thinking about you, Vention, and everyone, please go to Vention's channel. There are pretty um, <clears throat> amazing videos there um, that'll just make you appreciate life and appreciate Bitcoin and just live your freaking lives, people. Freaking balls to the wall. Never, never anything less. Be, be hardcore like us here. Happy Sukkot. It starts tonight. Sukkot starts tonight. And uh, the links, there'll be links to below. Brian's link is below. You can follow him there. Um, this is not legal advice, but he is a lawyer. He'll give a disclaimer at some point. Okay, so let's talk. Let's jump into uh, the stories of the day. 
And uh, of course, what the, the biggest story of the day is some girl is lost in Wyoming. Well, yeah, I mean, that's all the mainstream media is talking about. Now, most people in the United States, that's really all they care. They love to see hot girls lost in the uh, wilderness and that their boyfriends might have done something very bad to them. I mean, that's, you know, that's the, yet the stuff that people like. And so when the mainstream media starts talking about, you know, there, there might be a uh, real estate bubble in China, they're, they're kind of surprised. But for guys like me and Brian here, yeah, it's, it's old news, okay? Now, did I know the name Evergrande beforehand? I heard someone mention it before. They're a corrupt organization in China, kept on pumping up uh, the real estate market by buying a lot of real estate. Um, you know, who wants to be in real estate now in this, where, where there are all these travel restrictions, okay? Who wants to be, I mean, you buy real estate in New Zealand, you think you've got the best freaking real estate on earth. You can't even go see it anymore. So in the with, with these countries overstepping their bounds in the physical world, of course we're going to have real estate bubbles. But now this and this one in China is just caused by all sorts of insanity. And so this company Evergrande, they bought who knows what they bought. And so now you know it's like the worst of all fun worlds here. Evergrande in China's looming risk to tether. I mean. You're, you're, you're talking China FUD. You're talking Tether FUD here. They're trying to tie. So people are, are panicking all over the financial world. Oh, what a shock. What a shock. I must sell everything. I must sell my stocks. I must sell it. Let me tell you something, dudes, okay? China real estate has been corrupt for years. If this makes you sell the best digital asset ever created by man, you really don't get it. This is when you should be buying Bitcoin, okay? Now, could this bring down the stock market in some ways, too? Maybe they own a lot of stocks. I don't know, and I don't care, okay? Because I don't own stocks. I don't give a darn. I moved on from that, okay? The Bitcoin world, yeah. does Evergrande own some Bitcoin? Does Evergrande own some Tether? Tether can print as much Tether as they want to. You guys don't get that yet, do you? I don't care if the guy behind Evergrande owns <clears throat> Tether, and, and they own Tether, and they do this, whatever, with Tether. Who cares? The mindset, it's psychological in Tether. One Tether equals one dollar. I don't care what's back in it, okay? If you got Evergrande fake property back in it, if you got whatever back in it, all right? But so what if even Tether fell apart? Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. And so this is where we are with Evergrande. And with it, that the China property prices might crash soon, but they were just buying them up. They didn't care what the what it was worth. They didn't care. They had to pay it back and pay high interest eventually. And the Chinese government, they enjoy, I mean, they're probably in bed with them. It's it, it, it is what it, it is what it is, dudes. So if you are if you feel threatened and scared because of that the that Evergrande is going to bring down your favorite bank or your favorite stock market, I mean, you're in the freaking old world, dudes. Okay, this is a digital. The digital world, and we're going to get into it later. I mean, these kids, they don't care. They're not buying Chinese real estate. They're buying freaking NFTs. I would rather own a freaking NFT than some uh, Chinese real estate uh, through Evergrande, okay? So what's your take here with, with, with Evergrande and uh, the FUD that is surrounding it, Brian? Um, well, so I think the Evergrande situation, you know, and everyone's fears about contagion and having it spread into every aspect of the financial system. Um, it just sort of just shows, you know, number one, how prone to panic we all are. I mean, we love panic. Um, most people can't get up out of their bed, you know, every day, unless there's some panic, you know, that they've got to go check on. Um, and, you know, I don't know how correlated or connected all of this is, but I mean, to the, to, to, you know, its effect on Bitcoin, I can't imagine would be any more significant than what we experienced when we had the original COVID crash. Um, you know, cause there is like, there are people that, that panic that a lot of people experience. It's not, you know, Bitcoiners, people who hold Bitcoin aren't necessarily immunized to it. So a lot of people, these, you know, sort of weak hands will, will hear about this and try and front run it and sell. And you know, it creates this sort of cascading effect. So there's, there is, I think, a, you know, a degree of contagion um, in, in, in that respect, but that's really entirely just, you know, in our own minds. And there's no reason that Bitcoin should be correlated to this at all. Now, because some people are prone to panic, it might have some uh, immediate type of correlation. 
but it just just as what happened in the coronavirus, you know, Adam, when you bought two Bitcoin for, you know, 10 grand, um, you know, these, as you said, these are buying opportunities. These are opportunities to um, sort of understand what you 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 have and what you're holding on to, because people who get what they have bought with Bitcoin who really understand it. These do not affect this does not affect them, and particularly if you have a long term hold plan. You know, I look at it as deep savings. So it's not something that I'm going to be trading and hopes to sort of catch some down downturn and then and then, you know, have a huge spike and sell it there and then try and catch the next one. It's just not my it's not why I bought Bitcoin. It's not why I am in Bitcoin. Um, and so there's, you know, there's tons of people like that in the system. Now, there are, of course, those who do like to trade and who panic on this uh, on this type of news. But um, I think if you understand what you have with Bitcoin, stuff like, you know, a credit crisis in China over you know, a real estate conglomerate, it just, it doesn't, it just doesn't register really. Yeah. And I, I do enjoy that. They do. They, they try to make it the FUD headlines. You got to throw in Tether. You got to throw in Bitcoin. You got to throw in China. This is, this is a dream to, for, for the FUDsters. And oh, yeah. I do <laughs> want to remind everyone, if you, you fiat freaks out there that panic every day, because it did, the, the price dropped uh, in the last 24 hours considerably. So what? Look at, maybe this will calm some of you guys down. Look, go to the, the coin market dot cap, coin market cap and see the seven day. How much has changed in the last seven days? It's hardly dropped in the last seven days. It's a turbulent freaking asset, dudes. I mean, from week to week, it's different, okay? <laughs> so I, that, that usually if you check back on a week, um, well, not usually, sometimes you'll see, oh, it's the same as it was last week. I've just got such a short-term mentality. I'm panicking because in the last 24 hours, it dropped to $5,000. If you compare it to last week, seven days ago, it's about the same. So maybe that'll, that'll calm some of you fiat freaks that are out there. But, but for me, being a veteran, and you can see how much of a veteran I am by following me on Twitter at TechBalt right now, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T. You'll see the main tweet that I just retweeted from exactly seven years ago, exactly seven years ago, seven years ago in a day, September the 19th, 2014, when Bitcoin was like 400 some dollars and I'm wearing my Orioles shirt and I say buy $10,000 worth of Bitcoin. If you did that, your big, that stash of Bitcoin would be, or you would be a millionaire now, thanks to me. So, and so since that time, there's been all sorts of China and Tether FUD. And during that entire time, most of it, I knew about them building uh, all sorts of insane empty cities in China. I didn't get caught up in the uh, not 2016 election uh, hype, the 2020 election. You know, people were living, through, you know, they, were, they knew every aspect of Hillary Clinton, Clinton and Biden and Trump and all this. But they didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't know about the, you know, the, there's a lot of fake economic uh, insanity going on all over the world. And, but throughout it all, there was the security truth machine of Bitcoin that you could have just stuck with since 2014. And you, again, follow me there, go, go, go down there now. Today is that anniversary. Seven years ago is when I made that video of, of me with my messy long hair there. <laughs> Some some kid with his messy long hair telling you to buy ten thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin. And yeah, it wasn't really exactly a kid there, but I looked like a freaking kid. And you were much more soft spoken too. Very very you know very nice and soft spoken in that video. <laughs> Must have had neighbors that you shared a wall with or something. <laughs> uh, who knows? I, I was just uh, calm. I was uh, as I, I was calmer because the Orioles had just recently clinched the American League East. I, I don't know why. I'm uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, what a world. And you can see the world's the baseball world's changed a lot since then. The Orioles really were the best team back then, not the worst team. Uh, okay, so th there's a little distraction for you. All right, enough about the, the – so, yes, the Chinese property could all crash. And, uh, I mean, that is an asset. And there, there is one thing I want to add to that, too. Yes, uh, when you, please. Um, yeah, so, you know, for, especially for everyone who's, uh, you know, all the Bitcoiners out there, when – I, I have noticed, you know, pretty much uniformly when we see those these sort of these um, sort of systemic drops within the crypto uh, world where sort of everybody's going down um, that Bitcoin, you know, I mean, I know that there's plenty of dispute over Bitcoin dominance and what's the, the most reliable metric. I mean, is, is it probably not market cap? Um, but uh, nevertheless, people measure Bitcoin dominance in that all the time. And even coin market cap has it sort of at the top little ribbon on their website. 
And whenever we have these sort of uh, crypto wide crashes like this, Bitcoin's dominance always increases, like sometimes significantly. Um, it's able to weather these crashes so much better. And that's part of you know, my thesis for uh, liking it over all the others is it's really built to last during these turbulent times um, far more so than these other less established or less secure cryptocurrency. So if you, you know, if you're bummed about the price going down temporarily, at least, you know, you know, be, be aware and be uh, grateful that the Bitcoin dominance is going up when it, when the price is going down. So it's still winning uh, even when it doesn't look like it. Yeah. Excellent point. Excellent point. Um, it, during these, uh, these dumps, crypto dumps, because it's the whole market that goes down that are influenced by current events uh, outside of cryptocurrency. The Bitcoin dominance says always increase. Mm -hmm. it, it, always, it, it is, it's where they uh, flee to safety. Some of these, uh, some of these weak hands. But I want to tell you about a strong hand out there. Johnny Midas sent 20 bucks. <clears throat> Dude, Johnny Midas, you have been such a great supporter. So we only need eight bucks for me to do another show uh, uh, later this week here in beautiful Salt Lake City. I want to get out there and breathe that freaking healthy air Woo! It is great to be out west again. Uh, I, I got in last night, uh, American Airlines, my lord. Um, dude, people aren't working as much as they used to. Everything's slowing down. Uh, there was there all sorts of delays. But we'll get into that uh, on, on a Beyond Bitcoin show. I do, again, want to mention this show that we're on right now is brought to you by the Bitcoin 2022 conference. They wanted to be three times as freaking large. We had like 10,000 people there. This year, 2021, April 6th to 9th of 2022, I mean, they, they can have like over 30,000 people at the Miami Beach Convention Center. It can hold 100,000 people, actually, 100,000 people. And I, again, there's going to be an industry day on day one. Day two and three um, is the main conference day, and you're going to have the speakers. And April 9th is the, the music festival. And uh, yeah. And that day will be all about networking the last day. Uh, I mean, part of it is I love just meeting the people. So you can get different packages. Again, use my discount code. It is linked to everything is listed below. The actual discount code, what is it, ADAM10? It's, I mean, uh, I, I got to make sure I actually read the correct. What is it, dude? Who, who could read down there for me? Oh, and somebody, somebody in the chat actually just said, hang on, something about Vention. Let me... Uh, yeah, prayers prevention. It, it, exactly. Prayers prevention. And yeah, dudes, the code is, uh, God, is it? Yeah, it's Adam10. It's that freaking simple, but there's a link you can use also. All right. So we did, we, we, we thank the guys over at Bitcoin Magazine. They are hardcore, hardcore Bitcoiners, okay? But as I said last time, people get into the conference that are altcoiners and whatever. You hear all sorts of altcoin news. Altcoin noise on the periphery. You know, the big altcoin noise this year in June was Dogecoin. Now, <laughs> right now, the big altcoin noise, and will it last until April 6th and 9th of 2022, is the NFTs, okay? So the NFT noise was so, was so loud. It, it got so loud for me, okay, that I had to go check it out. I had to go. I had to go see what this open sea place was. So I uh, got on my boat. I I uh, sailed the open seas to open <laughs> sea. Never been to this freaking site. Never been to this freaking site before. And uh, I played around there. I looked around, and I you know after reading some tweets about it, and it it made me think. It made me you know I'm not. I want to see how this can, what this means for Bitcoin. What does what do NFTs mean for Bitcoin? And what do they mean for property rights? And what do they mean to be an owner of something? And will the governments recognize this? And will this put governments closer to recognizing making things simpler for people? Um, it's, it's instead of going to some, uh, you know, registering a title downtown or registering your house downtown or whatever, um, you, you NFT it because this NFT stuff, if it was recognized by the government, uh, I could see it as streamlining things, making things a little bit easier. Now, I also see the NFT world as ripe for lawsuits. Uh, 
which kind of serve as a shield for Bitcoiners. It'll instead of lawyers trying to sue you in the Bitcoin world, they'll go over to this NFT land where there's plenty of opportunity to sue people for uh, you know stealing your NFT, uh, saying it's really theirs on uh, Solana when you made it on Ethereum, and you know I'm not going to get into it, but I will say this. In a world that is souring on physical property, okay, and that's becoming more and more corrupt, whether it be because of government interference in physical property or restricting your movement or the whole, uh, you know, we're just talking about ever, whatever it is, ever clear. <laughs> it's the drinking freaking ever clear at Wash U with my buddies. Pound that like button. We used to throw that ever clear in. The, oh, the legend was if you drank ever clear straight, you would die. Um, that might be true. I, I don't. Know. But uh, if you drink, if you get Chinese uh, property, uh, you know, straight up, you'll probably die. Uh, but uh, in this world, and where the youth, the youth really like this NFT stuff. So, like it or hate it, I don't think this. I don't think the NFT stuff is going away. And it is gambling right now. People love the gambling to gamble a lot. Okay. And I will tell you this: playing around on open seas, seeing the gambling that's going on. You can flip. This is in this impulsive world, people love to flip real estate. They have TV shows dedicated to it. This NFT is the easiest freaking thing to flip in the world. Okay. It, it, when you're talking about, you know, useless property, you know, because a lot of real estate can be useless property. Um, NFT is the most, uh, is the easiest uh, flippable uh, property ever devised. Uh, uh, digitally, okay? Uh, you know, it, 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 I, I don't want to say Bitcoin is a flippable property. I don't want to degenerate it that way, okay? But this NFT stuff was built for the flippers, uh, for the flippers of the world, and so it, it uh, it'll uh, kind of it'll eat into the real estate flipping market. But the youth today, especially at as long as these freaking government restrictions persist, and in a lot of uh, civilized countries outside the United States, they are persisting in Australia and New Zealand, okay? And kids are growing up with this type of thing. So they're going to gravitate to the digital world more and more. And I think a little bit of it is disgusting because you have to go outside every day and, and love the physical world. But we have to deal with the facts on the ground. Kids are becoming more and more used to digital assets. So that's my take on the NFT thing. It's also a gamified way to increase the number of Ethereum you have. And some people value their wealth in, in, in Ethereum. There's all sorts of stuff going on there. So will people still be talking about NFTs at the uh, Bitcoin 2022 conference on the outside, not on the inside, not, not, not official? Who knows? That might still be the crypto noise of the day, but it is the crypto noise of today. So Brian is, is a lawyer. And again, this is not legal advice. So what is the... the, the the legal, what, what are NFTs bringing to the legal table? Are, are they making things easier? Are there going to be a lot of lawsuits? Uh, you had a tweet about this. Again, follow him. He's linked to below. Take it away, Brian. Yeah, the, the NFTs are kind of interesting from a, you know, whether they're creating efficiencies or inefficiencies uh, from a legal standpoint. I, I, it's, I think it still sort of remains to be seen. Um, yeah, I think there's a, a there's going to be a, a lot of lawsuits related to, um, you know, people not fully understanding whatever smart contract, you know, their NFT is, is, is uh, listed on, uh, not, not fully understanding the code and how, you know, how the ownership structure works. And, you know, contracts are already difficult in plain English because they don't really exist in plain English. They still have a bunch of legalese. Uh, now you're adding a layer of code on top of that, um, that if, you know, again, if, if you're just operating inside a closed system of, let's just say, Ethereum or Solana, um, sure, then I think you have some efficiencies gained there. But what ultimately happens is, uh, you know, let's, you know, maybe a, a creator creates one on, as you've said, Ethereum and then says, you know, pivots and says, how about uh, Solana? This is actually the new true version. I'm endorsing the Solana version over the Ethereum version. Um there is nothing being any on-chain activity can do to resolve that dispute. You are absolutely dependent on either the traditional legal market or uh, the free market who will make their own decisions and things like that. But, you know, being on a blockchain, uh, being an NFT, uh, when a situation like that arises, you know, it offers you no legal protection and no copyright, no, um, 
no, uh, you know, no property right, you know, in it, because what are you really buying when you buy an NFT? You're not buying the piece of artwork. You're buying the, what I would just say is a, a you know, effectively a certificate of authenticity that's been hashed. Um, and it exists, you know, on a blockchain, but you're buying that you're not buying the piece of artwork. And that's just the nature of digital art, digital, anything is, um, you know, it's, it's very easily, you know, duplicated. Um, so I think you'll see a lot of this stuff end up in court anyway. Uh, and, you know, maybe you'll get some low level type things where it's, uh, you know, um, settled on the blockchain and everyone figures it out that way. I just don't think that, that that's going to be the case for, for uh, important disputes because they will just default back to the traditional legal structure. So it almost seems sort of unnecessary or redundant or um, not as maybe useful as people currently think it is. That being said, I do think NFTs are, you know, it's a really interesting concept. I do think it's funny that too, that one of the early criticisms of Bitcoin was, oh, these are beanie babies or, you know, these are, you know, you know, uh, Tamagotchis and things like that, just collectibles. It's not, you know, and we said, no, that, you know, these are very, this is a very unique asset. It cannot be duplicated. Um, you know, we've solved the double spend problem. This is what makes it unique. They're fungible. Um, and, you know, despite demand, you can't create another one. And now with NFTs, we've basically created digital Beanie Babies. You know, they've gone actively to create collectibles and digital Beanie Babies. So it's interesting that the re response to that critique has been to just go ahead and say, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. It's Pokemon cards now. Um, so that's interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, NF there, there are interesting uh, uh, aspects. And, you know, I, I saw the other, the other day there was an article. Someone bought a a princess Diana piece of her wedding cake from 40 years ago for like 3000 bucks. Um, and it kind of just was, it hit me as a realization that, you know, just cause I don't understand the value in something like this doesn't mean it doesn't actually have value to a small you know subset of people. And they'll, you know, trade it amongst themselves and, and play with it. And that's, that's all fine and good. I don't think it hurts Bitcoin at all. And I think, you know, you, you listen to guys like I think it's Sam, uh, Samson Mao and Adam Back were on uh, Peter McCormick's podcast not too long ago talking about uh, securitization or doing securities uh, like STOs and NFTs on on the second layer of the Bitcoin network using I think Blockstream is what they're using uh, in order to do it and using their liquid sidechain. But um, you know that's a really interesting aspect, and you know if we can if that can be perfected. That's huge because then you can issue these things uh, on Bitcoin and have them settled on Bitcoin, which is the best form of money in the world, despite how Ethereum has certain people within Ethereum have decided to say that uh, Ethereum is better at money than Bitcoin, which I find hilarious. Um, but, you know, the, the more you can uh, connect that really good form of money inherently to these sort of interesting layer two, layer three uh, projects, um, that better it is for Bitcoin and the more likely they are to succeed. Uh, so uh, is that going to still depend on a traditional legal structure? Certainly, I think, to a certain degree. But um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun project to build on top of Bitcoin, I think. Now, now you just uh, you mentioned to me before the show, some think blockchains like Ethereum that incorporate more are better poised in this economy. Um, but so you're, you're kind of almost getting into that right now, aren't you? Well, so I don't I don't think that the blockchains that incorporate more like Ethereum are going to be the the ultimate winners because I think they for what what they gain in that sort of um, that sort of uh, exciting aspect where they're like we can do all this you can do Turing complete language you can build your smart contract out do all this um, they lose in inefficiencies and, and they clog, clog their blockchain so the only way to to really uh, counteract that is centralization um, and that's once you've done that you sort of you sort of taken your blockchain and made it not useful. So it sort of, it, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to put all of this stuff on the blockchain. A lot of it will do better on higher, higher layers. Um, and I think anything that Ethereum can do on its base chain and clog up their network can be done on a higher layer in Bitcoin and not clog up the network. So I think in the end, it'll do better on Bitcoin, but it's just going to take time to get people interested in it. I will say this, it's clearly the NFTs are clearly clogging up the Ethereum blockchain right now. Mm -hmm. that mean, the, some of the transaction costs are insane to move your NFT. And I, I mean, I was seeing all sorts of uh, all people complaining about all sorts of uh, fees in, in regards to NFTs on uh, on Ethereum. I mean, you've got to do it like at three in the freaking morning 
on, on the East Coast if you want a good deal. But pe pe people are doing it. Um, I, I wonder one last thing about uh, about NFTs, and I, I mentioned gambling. Leading NFT game Axie Infinity did more revenue in July than the entire Las, Las Vegas Strip. The growth of this industry is staggering. Now, I don't know if that is true, but that is staggering. If, yeah. If, if that if that is true. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the reason people are using, uh, are, are playing around in NFTs is because you get the same thrill from, you know, buying the right one and selling it for more as gambling. Mm -hmm. And in this world where people are telling you to be scared to go to physical Las Vegas, you could have a Las Vegas in your own freaking bedroom on your computer uh, when you're, you you find a, uh, uh, the, a, a, the NFT that no one else found. And now you can sell it to some sucker MC for $50,000 or something. You bought it for 50 cents. And that's what everyone seems to be doing. It, it is fun. Just like gambling can be fun. It is fun when you win money at a slot machine. There's, there's, there's no doubt about it. You get a thrill when you when you bet on black, uh, like Wesley Snipes said to do, always bet on black, and you win $1,000 at the at the table, all right? Um, it, it's That's what the, the, the thrill that a lot of people are getting with these NFTs. But in this, in this more and more digitalized world where people like to brag about their assets, they can say, look, I've got a $50,000 NFT. I mean, it's 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 better nft lambo is better than the physical lambo i mean we're we're getting to that mindset now which is for people that are over uh people that are over 22 years old uh that is a uh, kind of weird but uh these these teenagers today eight not 19 year 18 year olds and 19 year olds who their entire entire college their entire college experience this is pathetic has been digital well, why not have a digital asset? Their entire uh, college experience they paid $100,000 for has been sitting at home, digitalized. Well, why not have a digital assets now? So it's it's normal. This It's unfortunately, this is the way NFTs get normalized. I think it's disgusting uh, that, that fear is, is normalizing them. But uh, one, one, one part of it, I mean, again, it's just as the world evolves, of course, it, the world becomes more digital in, in a healthy manner also. And uh, with that, with that in mind, going back to something that I forgot to say about the, uh, the ever, ever grand crash. Just bottom line is events like this should make people more comfortable with going digital and just say, you know what? I will own Bitcoin because what's happening with Chinese real estate can't happen with Bitcoin. It just, it, it, it can't, it, it, it's, it's not, it's not the same thing. It is, it, you know, how much is really out there. You know, it's not fake, you know, it's not uh, put together in, in, in a, in a uh, ha haphazard way. You know, some of this uh, Chinese real estate that this company owns, you know, who, who knows, it could all fall apart, you know, physically fall apart and stuff. Uh, you know what you're really getting with Bitcoin uh, if you truly understand it too, I mean, it, it takes a, some knowledge. So I just, I just wanted to toss it that out there again. Now, what? you want to bring up the, the fake news that came out about Litecoin or, or uh, recently, and uh, how how the media keeps on uh, spitting it out there. I mean, as I referred to below, they'd like to spit out uh, fake news about El Salvador too. Uh, when again, I do want to real, remind the real news is that. The, the president of El Salvador made an announcement. They now own 700 more Bitcoin. And you can comment on that as the fake news. Um, I, I, we've all, we, we've, we've, you know, this is 700 isn't for a country that really isn't a lot of Bitcoin. Okay. But it's a start. Could be one day. We've, we've, we've dreamt of this for a while. So now a country is straight up admitting they're buying Bitcoin, which is great. Other countries will get on board because of this. But I, I just thrown out a lot out there. Uh, fake news uh, that the media keeps spreading and people buy into right now. It's just the, the media cycle moves way too fast now uh, for, for these people to uh, to be honest. So take it away. Brother. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, didn't we just have like a horrible situation in Afghanistan, um, you know, two weeks ago? And it's essentially a non-issue at this point for, for the current administration. Um, you know, and we... And, there, the uh, military just admitted too that it like bombed ten civilians, you know, on accident in Kabul. Um, 
there's hardly any outrage over that. I mean, that's that's insane. And they said the military also said that they won't they won't be disciplining anybody over this uh, situation. Um, and, you know, the world's going to look at that and be like, you know, I, I look at that and I, I find it kind of horrible. Um, the world who has no attachment to America is going to look at that and be extremely angry, I would imagine, um, because, you know, the fact that, you know, it, it was an accident, it appears to be, and that's horrendous, I get, but there's also no discipline for this um, tragedy, and it's, like, completely been swept under the rug by, you know, the media or who, whoever, who you know, we, the next shiny object sort of caught our eye, whether it's the the girl in Wyoming or uh, the Evergrande thing, or, you know, there's just always a million uh, new things to be concerned about. It's, it's exhausting to try and keep up with. Um, but that means that people are not being held accountable for bad choices and bad decisions. Um, and that's a problem uh, as if that continues. Um, so that's a, a very unfortunate aspect of, you know, this new 24, seven, 365 media uh, exists, saturation existence that we all live in. Um, and it doesn't bode well um, going forward. Um, but yeah, when we were talking, when you're talking about sort of the, the both the El Salvador situation, the Litecoin situation where someone put out a fake press release, uh, I, I constantly am going back to uh, the, uh, the whole gel man amnesia. I know I sent you something about that. Um, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've heard of it. You know, I probably was exposed to it for the first time, you know, six or seven years ago, but now it seems to be everywhere because it just shows, you know, uh, when you, when you, read an article in the media about something you know very well, and this is just straight jail man amnesia, but when you read an article in me about something you know really well, and it just, it just is horrendous. You, you look at it, you go, this is awfully done. They're wrong here. They're wrong here. They're wrong here. Um, and they misspoke here. And uh, then, you know, that's, that's how it is in, the, in, in every industry I'm in, whether it's legal, crypto or whatever, it's consistently really poorly done. And you know, they do that in every other aspect of life, too. So if you're an engineer and they're doing an article on engineer engineering, the engineer is going to be like, wow, that was so bad. That's so wrong. And uh, they just I don't know if it's purposeful, if, if it's uh, just, you know, them being incompetent or it's just the world being too complex. But you can't, they're impossible to trust because they're either doing they're either screwing up on purpose or they're screwing up on accident. But it's always wrong. It seems always. I mean, that that was the exact that's that's where the title of this weekly program comes from super spreading Bitcoin 2022 is because the media, I was an expert in Bitcoin 2021. I was there. And so how does the media cover it? Saying it's a super spreader event. I mean, they had nothing to do with the event itself and people weren't getting sick because of it. And it just made me think, well, I already knew they had lied about Sturgis, South Dakota being a super spreader event, but it just, people jump on these stories what they want the story to be, they make the story to be. Mm -hmm. They don't care about what the facts are. So yes, experts know about stories. The media doesn't know. I mean, the, the media could do a little bit of research and become you know, somewhat knowledgeable, but they just paint the picture of what they want and what is, we live in a clickbait world, dude. Yeah. We live in a clickbait world. And so when they get a fake press release, that is really juicy, like Litecoin and Walmart, they don't even take the time to research because they want that. Yeah, man, that story is going to sell. Mm -hmm. So Chris Black reminds us in, in this tweet, and I might have read this before, but I, I want to read it again. Just so everyone is aware, crypto did not create fake press releases. They are very common, yet rudimentary scam in uh, day trading and investing. And CNBC the channel all about investing fall fell for it. Okay. So yeah, that, that, that reminds me, sorry to interrupt. I just, the, the, the best, there was a blue check mark person on Twitter, media folk. Um, you know, he, he said that because of the confusion caused by the report, the fake the report that reported on the fake press release that for some reason that cryptocurrency should be regulated. Yeah. Uh, because the media took something that could have easily been checked. You don't even have to do research. You just pick up the phone and call Walmart's PR headquarters and say, hey, is this real? I mean, it's 10 seconds. And and uh, they didn't do that. And then every other journalist took that headline. They wanted to be part of the story. So then they, they uh, made it go far and wide. 
and then it turns out to be wrong. And then what is it happens? Oh, uh, you know, top journalist says that it's cryptocurrency that needs to be regulated and not these people just run out of town for being so bad at such an easy job. It's just so amazing how ignorant these people are that they use a, sto a story like this to demand regulation for cryptocurrency. It's, 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 a, it's a completely different topic. It has nothing to do with re reporters are idiots. Report. I mean, this is the, this is basically what you could draw. Okay, Rep reporters are lazy fools because they just can't call the Walmart PR department. Thus, cryptocurrency should be regulated. Makes no sense. Makes no sense at all. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's just it's just like and saying uh, drawing this uh, a, a totally unrelated conclusion. Like bananas are unhealthy because uh, the reporters made a mistake about uh, Walmart. I mean, that type of <laughs> yeah, thing just, you put, has, has nothing to do with anything there. But hey, that, that's the world. Uh, it, it, people vilify Bitcoin so much. I mean, a small percentage of people are such haters and are so envious, they're going to use the most unrelated story to jump on Bitcoin. But baby, isn't it awesome to be hated that much, okay? It, it, to be the target that much because you know you are doing the right thing when all the haters of the world got to keep kind of really in terms of FUD, they are really innovative in, in terms of their FUD. They'll pull anything out of their tuchless. I mean, I wouldn't call it innovation. Is, is, that's, a com that's a compliment. I shouldn't even use the word innovation. They, they just they'll pull anything out of their backside. Yeah. Uh, so, so they're very desperate and uh, it, it, it's, uh, it backfires in the long run because it does wake up more 20 percenters. Like, why are they attacking Bitcoin so much? For the 80 percenters, they just join, they join with the uh, band, join together with the band. I mean, that's a Who song, uh, a very good one. I, I, so anyway, okay, but so, so going back, and I want to say uh, thank you for, to Ken Bozak uh, for the $4.25 that he sent. I think Ken Bozak's got a freaking NFT now at this point. I, I heard rumors, but it's great. Ken, link to below. I made a, a short video clip of when you were on the show in January and you talked about how someone gave you a million hex for free. Um, I made a little clip of it because it's pretty freaking hilarious today, uh, considering what is going on in the, the world of uh, the, the, the often insane world of Richard Hart's uh, cult called hex uh it is that that little uh, clip is linked to below and because ken sent that uh, 420 guys we only need four dollars more four dollars more someone send a four dollar or a five dollar question and we will have enough to do another show uh later this week and i've got a lot to talk about dudes i mean i have a list uh, you can see on um, another show i did last week on the links below, there's so many links that I didn't even get to cover. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of topics that I, I mean, I could do three more shows this week. So send $304 people. All right. Uh, you want to talk about inoculating the army in George Washington. Yeah. So, um, yeah, cause we're going to get, we're going to cover all sorts of subjects today. Um, but yeah, a, a, a historian that I follow and, and kind of enjoys work, uh, wrote an article for Time Magazine recently, sort of praising the vaccinations, for the, the, uh, mil the you know, universal vaccination requirement for military, uh, and, and compared it to George Washington uh, in 17, I think 77, when he mandated inoculations against smallpox for the army um, that he was in control of up there in the north. Um, and I just, I just find it to be just the most, a, a terrible analogy, because, you know, smallpox had a had a kill rate of at least 10%, maybe 20, 25, some, some say higher, uh, but you know, in, in that time period, kill rate of 20, 10 to 20% um, of healthy individuals, otherwise healthy individuals. Uh, it was, it was terrible, horrible disease. And when they, they weren't obviously vaccinated back then, they were called inoculated. And so they had to get, you know, either a deadened version of the disease through uh, someone who is just about to die, or they used um, uh, cowpox, which is a less, uh, less harmful, uh, version and often grant the belief was it often give you immunity to smallpox as well. So you have a less tough time. Um, but it was destroying the army in the field. That, that's the, the whole problem. And, you know, if you're, if your army can't fight, you know, 10 to 20% are dying, not to say, you know, less of who don't die, but are horribly, you know, um, stricken with this illness. Um, you know, you have no, you have no useful army. 
I understand and appreciate the need for sort of an inoculation in that circumstance. While I probably disagree with it being mandatory, but I under, at least I can I, I understand it. In this situation, you know, we've got millions of, of troops that they're going to be now vaccinating with this new um, treatment, uh, mRNA treatment. And, uh, you know, the military is by and large pretty young and healthy. That's like sort of their thing. Um, they're not as healthy, I guess, as they used to be, but, um, you know, they're still very strong, healthy pe people. And I think the I read something that was the, the total COVID fatality rate among active military members was like under 100 people total. Um, and so we're, you know, vaccinating against this uh, against this disease that just doesn't kill that many you know, of our of our active duty military, doesn't sicken that many of our active duty military. And we just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you can you can see just from the, you know, April, May to uh, of 2021 to now the talk, you know, from the powers that be about the vaccine has changed. You know, they're they're changing, you know, what it what it can protect against, what it doesn't protect against. Um, what you can do uh, and what you, know, what you can't do uh, if you've been vaccinated, they've changed a lot. And we're doing this, we're running this massive experiment on our military. Um, and I hope it all turns out okay, but it's just a ridiculous comparison to, you know, a disease like smallpox, which killed so many people and crippled the functionality of the military to this, which just hasn't killed that many, many people in our military. And now we're just running a, running a hopefully successful experiment, but who knows? Uh, the, an interesting question is, if we took a poll of screaming Karens, what percentage of them would think that the current virus is as dangerous as smallpox? I would say a, a high percentage. Um, yeah. pe people really think it is the Black Plague to this day. Um, China did a great job with their fake news when they would show the people falling down dead in the middle of the street to, to Americans. That. That, that fake, and that was fake, of course. That, mm -hmm. There's, there's videos they made of guys like dropping dead and they weren't really dropping dead in the industry. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. Uh, people, it, it really, the fear of illness for certain people just blinds them to reality and gets them so scared. They, they can't change their mind about something like since March or, or February, of 2020 of 2020 we've learned so much about what this virus really is but people are many people are just still stuck that it is like like smallpox it is as bad as smallpox so yeah. it isn't guys any it it, it it i think most people watching this show understand that but there's again i i wonder what percentage of the population um thinks it's you know it, it is as bad as small epoxy. Excuse me, this water, <laughs> healthy water here is uh, making me sound a little unhealthy there. All right. So I, I want to wrap it up here in, in, in a second because we're about to hit hit an, an hour. One more current a current event I want to get your, your take on, but I just want to compare, you know, you know again, I, I, I mentioned the Bitcoin 2022 conference a few times through the show and how much, how much fun that the first one was. But Chris Black, and I think I mentioned this on past show, he said, are there any, there's a, a conference called Mainnet 2021, which is a DeFi conference. And DeFi is supposed to be accessible to all. But apparently this conference, this DeFi conference is not accessible to uh unvaccinated people. He says, are there any mainnet 2021 speakers who have spoken out against the unfair banning of unvaccinated people from the event? I haven't heard anything from anyone. I'm starting to think that most participating in the event actually, actually support the segregation. So it's very interesting that a uh, something that's about open finance for all uh, is, and, and this is an event. So again, it's a centralized event. They're not letting in unvaccinated uh, people, and that is that is the opposite of freaking uh, Bitcoin twenty twenty two. Okay, they they let they let in anybody. So a very interesting story there that I don't think that you know Chris Black is a big DeFi guy, and he's he's been covering this, but I haven't heard anybody else talk about this mainnet event uh, banning people. And you know, I I do I love that finance. And NFTs uh, or DeFi and NFTs, one of their talking points is we're bringing this to all the people of the world. OK, so if that's your freaking ethos and your uh, then your physical events 
should uh, bring that to the physical world too, where you know we we are open to everyone, but apparently just in just in the digital world that they're they're open to everyone. It, it, yeah, it's, it, it seems like uh, their you know their blockchain activity is is actually grafting very neatly onto their uh, real world activity because you know they are they do consider themselves decentralized finance, but in reality, most of these things have central points of failure and are just like traditional finance. Um, and wow. so now they're doing the nice <laughs> they're shot doing... there, Brian. Tell that like button. That was, ooh, that was a stinger. <laughs> that was good. Don't email me great. anybody out there. <laughs> all right. All right. So let's, uh, for the, for the people who are paying close, who've got listed comprehension, you got, you saw that one. That, I mean, that was for smart people. That was a nice stinger there though. <laughs> Was nice. Most people love these mindless little stingers that they put out there on Twitter, but that was that was thoughtful. <laughs> Very good. Very good. All right, let's uh, let's leave, let's talk about the California uh, recall, and uh, you know he he he, he dominated the the the, the most people in California. Uh, they want to be slaves apparently, or they they like good look looking uh, men like him, and they just want to be his slave. I I don't know. Um, it was or you know it, it was dominating. He he. There were there were a few counties though uh, that uh, that over in the northeast part of California. California is a gigantic, beautiful state, but it varies. In the northeast, it's cold up there. It's different. It's no LA in the northeast corner, and politically, it's not either. There are not many people who live out up there in in on the north and and in the east, the central east part of the state. Also, they they don't it's it. Definitely a different mindset up there. So, you know, the, the total numbers out of California, they voted overwhelmingly to keep him in there. But some of these smaller counties, uh, they overwhelmingly voted to kick him out. So my advice is, and because I love, one thing I love about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, people can fork off, they can secede so easily. So for the people who are disappointed in the state of California, with the results of the uh, of the election of the or, or of the vote for uh, for recall, use it as to, to pivot to get your little county to secede from the state. To secede. use this as something to to start a secession movement or jut or join a secession movement because it, it won't. California won't miss you, and if you join another state, you join Oregon. You get part of Oregon to join Idaho, which is what the Greater Idaho program is about. I mentioned this on the previous show. So I, I'm a positive guy. Yes, it's sad that people want to be slaves in California and that you live in a county where you're, you're being taxed up the yin-yang, but you have really nothing in common with the rest of California. This is a way to pivot to something more positive. So, uh, yeah, and Gavin Newsom still has his dream to run for president one, one day. Because as Brian mentions, uh, people forget really easily. They forgot got our withdrawal from Afghanistan, which just happened in disgrace a few uh, recently. They they will now forget forget that uh, you know a few months ago Gavin Newsom was a total loser and you know being hypocritical, going to fancy restaurants while he locked his whole state down. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on uh, Gavin Newsom, his hair, his election, <laughs> Northeast California, anything. I mean, yeah, California is going to California. I, I kind of allowed myself a, a fool's hope that, you know, something might actually come of this recall. Um, but uh, that turned out to clearly not be the case. I think your point about either, you know, a state secession or sort of being absorbed into another state is interesting. It sounds like a very difficult uh, uh, legal, you know, process to, to accomplish. Um, I think it'd be probably easier if they could be absorbed into another existing state rather than create their own state because, as you're aware, you know, every state that's admitted to the union gets two senators. Yeah. And if you have Northern California, who's going to be obviously largely GOP, um, you know, secede and make their own state, they get, boom, two more senators. They suddenly break the tie that we currently have in the Senate. There's huge political ramifications. Um, you know, now everyone else has been mentioning uh, the possibility of D.C. statehood. And that's a big reason why a lot of people uh, don't support that. Just, you know, it's the other side of the political aisle. Um but hey, maybe you could get a compromise where you have, uh, you know, Northern uh, Northern California get their own state and two senators, and DC get their own state and two senators. No, that. So I, I do want to clarify one thing: there is no way in heck they're going to let uh, Northern California form its own state. No way in heck. So when I say secession, I mean it's going to have to join another state. It's going to have mm -hmm. to join 
they're they're not making it. They're not letting that happen. But what I would like in terms of a compromise, uh, which is uh, really outside the box thinking, I mentioned this before. I said before, Alberta is the greatest province in Canada. Let Alberta become our 51st state and D.C. become the 52nd state. So th- that that that's how you even it out. But again, I'm a believer that uh, there shouldn't be a border between Canada and the United States, that it should be all one big country. Um, but there are a majority of Canadians, you know, what's his face, their prime minister, who there, there are stories out there that he might not be able to win the next election, which is coming up uh, as a, soon. And mm-hmm. he's just like Newsom, he even looks like Newsom a little bit. Most Canadians like being his slave, uh, unfortunately. But Alberta is much more conservative than the general population of uh, of uh, the, the, the the great country of, of Canada. What's it? I, why can't I think of the Prime Minister's name now? Trudeau. Trudeau. I was going to call him Rougeau. <laughs> the fabulous Rougeau brothers, the wrestlers. Now, um, Bret Hart, baby, the best there ever was. It's Calgary, Alberta, Canada, baby, sharpshooter. Pound that like button. Now, uh, yeah, so uh, no, they're not. Northern California, find a way to join a, a conservative state. Some They're not going to let you have your own. Uh, I mean, I would I would enjoy it that, that if everybody could fork off so easily in the United States. But uh, we, have oh. checks, we have checks and balances, and the, 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 that's really a hard type of thing to do. Sorry, Brian, yeah. to say something else? I, I just say that reminded me of a, a show that you were that you did uh, pretty recently. And, you know, I, I kind of agree with you that this whole, you know, non-civil, like non-civil war, but sort of like breakdown of, you know, keeping it more of an economic uh, pact uh, among the states rather than this very tightly controlled from one central place of authority in D.C. Um, setup that we have now. And the thing is, though, if you really think about it, that is not dissimilar from the way the union was originally set up. Uh, you know, I think after you had the 14th Amendment and the Civil War and everything, the 14th Amendment really put a lot of uh, pressure on the states from the federal government. That created all of the legal apparatus for them to really inject themselves into state, uh, traditional state prerogatives and things like that. But, um, you know, it's not, I'm not, you know, bagging on the 14th Amendment or anything. But what I am saying is that there's plenty of precedent for, within this country for a much more loose knit union that would probably serve us all a lot better than having this sort of Hunger Games style, you know, rule at the Capitol outward, um, you know, government that we have now. There's just, you know, there's just entirely too much control from emanating from Washington, D.C. and not enough from, you know, your county commission and your and your local capital. Brian, I really appreciate that you've been watching the show carefully and you noticed my uh, my little innovation there, my unique my unique beast coalitions between uh, states that I that I propose. Now, I don't think we're going to have a bloody civil war at all. I don't encourage states to secede from the United States. I encourage them to get creative, form these unique coalitions. And yes, for, and that probably was the original intention of the founders, not to take it to uh, a, a, an extreme level that might happen. Like where, when you're on the verge of seceding uh, over really controversial issue, issues, then, you know, your your Texas and and Florida are forced to not uh, enforce some federal mandate, and that's how they form a coalition. I mean, they, I don't think that the founders wanted that to, to happen, but um, I, I I do think we we can get innovative here, and states can can band together and not leave the union, not make it messy, get these newfangled agreements, and it will inspire other states to see like, hey, look, the Florida. Alabama, uh, Georgia, uh, Texas coalition, look how well it's doing because they're not enforcing this stupid federal uh, lockdown mandate. Uh, we got to demand that our state follow their lead and, uh, you know, shoot back on, on, on the feds that, you know, you know, get mm-hmm. rid of this ignorant mandate. We're going to just uh, not enforce it. Sorry, you're going to say something. Yeah, I, I didn't want to interrupt, but yeah, I just say that, I, again, I love the concept, um, you know, the 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 issue is you're going to hit some tension with uh, the uh, interstate compact clause is in the Constitution specifically because under the Articles of Confederation, you know, we had more of a wild, you know, willy nilly loose coalition that was too loose. So they they inserted this interstate compact clause saying that you can't enter into a compact with another state unless you get the approval of Congress, too. So it has to be you either going to hit this sort of tension level where you almost scare Congress into uh, giving their stamp of approval on a, a situation like that, 
um, or we have to hit some unheard of, at least recently, level of agreement among ourselves. And, and we're all really nice to each other and say, look, we want you to back off uh, a la Brexit, you know, kind of just uh, you know, go your own way uh, voluntarily. But that even that was just like, you know, 52 to 48 was you know, vote in favor of Brexit. I mean, we are so polarized right now. I just don't foresee it happening without uh, a certain degree of tension uh, beforehand. Innovative, loose coalitions. I've got hope that even within the sickening bureaucracy or well, someone outside the sickening bureaucracy can give them uh, clarification on what that would be if need be uh, to, to, to make things just run smoothly without violating the interstate uh, commerce uh, uh, pact there. And Taval Dapra sent 10 Canadian dollars. He put us over the top and he said, we're going to have another show later this weekend. Salute to Benson, he says. Well, I, I, I say salute to Vention also. And I do want to bring up, I want to say one another thing about Vention, because there's some people in the chat that are saying, you know, you know, Vention should try this, Vention should try that. Guys, um, you have to watch the Vention's videos to, and you'll know that he really can't try anything anymore. It's a he he was a great guy. Um, his name is Warren, his real name is Warren. It's come out now. And it's a very serious situation, guys. It's it's the end. And I I I, I just want to say that he he was a great great. He's really brought a lot of joy to a lot of men out there. You don't have to agree with him on everything. I definitely didn't agree with him on everything. But he he's re it's the end, guys. You you have to watch his videos. And it is sad. And um, again, he has one dream left, and it's just to get back to his house. Um, to get out of the hospital. And I don't know, he might not be around right now. It's a, it's a very serious situation. So again, I do appreciate people wanting to give health information, health advice in the chat. And um, it is so, it's, you have to watch his video, his last three videos. It is a very, very, very beyond serious situation that he's in right now. And um, it, you know, we all, we all leave this world eventually. And remember that. That's why you. And one of the one of the things he said in his best video, he's like, "Guys, guys, live your life, love your life, and do that." People. Really, really. If you take one thing out of the whole Vention saga, um, is live your freaking life, balls to the wall, people, balls to the wall. So thank you to Val Dacris and everybody who's contributed today today's show. And yeah, this is definitely dedicated to, to Vention and, and everything he's contributed to the Bitcoin community and all sorts of uh, communities that are out there right now. So we, we've reached the end. Any, any other loose uh, ends you want to tie up there, Brian? Any other topics beyond Bitcoin? Anything? Anything you want to promote that you're doing right now? Uh, yeah, we have first just want to mention to Vention too, you know, just, but, uh, you know, so, so sorry to hear about that. Um, I hope he, hope he gets his last wish that he's looking for. Um, for, as for, for me, you know, uh, I think we talked about sort of the beyond Bitcoin stuff that I did want to touch on, uh, you know, this, these mandates I, are very concerning to me from, as a lawyer, um, as a person <laughs> that, uh, uh, respects, uh, another person's right to sort of live their life freely and not to be sort of preemptively deemed sick and contagious when they have no, there's no reason to think that, uh, I think that's a very immoral immoral thing that we're in a slippery slope we're going down. I hope, uh, you know, I think it's a lot, you know, we're, there's a lot of fear sort of uh, guiding us toward that, that, um, that sort of policy. I hope that over time uh, diminishes, but we'll see what happens, I guess. Um, my, uh, you know, my personal shout out to my stuff is, you know, I'm, I'm with the law firm, Taylor English. Uh, we focus on Bitcoin companies and then folks in Bitcoin who have legal issues. We want to help you out. So if you guys have any legal issues, uh, check me out on uh, my Twitter uh, handle there. You can get to me through there, through that, or you can go to Taylor English website. Uh, but we're trying to get in the break, break into the Bitcoin space and, and help out uh, folks that have legal needs uh, and are doing interesting stuff in Bitcoin. So, you know, give me a shout if you need anything. All right, dudes. Um, that is the end of the show. It was a great one. It went by really fast there, Brian. You're best freaking guest in the space, dude. One of the legends from this <laughs> week in Bitcoin, which, you know, it might come back soon. Uh, uh, who knows? Tech Balt, you can check out the archives there, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T.com if you want to watch uh, the old This Week in Bitcoin shows, DisruptMeister.com. All over 2,000 of the uh, shows I, I've done about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and everything that I've ever done in, in the space is, is over at, at, at DisruptMeister.com. Remember, guys, use the affiliate code ADAM, uh, ADAM10. 
It is and the link to below. If you want to get go to Bitcoin 2022 in Miami, April 6th to 9th, 2022, 2022. It's it's it seems like it's far away, but time flies by, dudes. It's gonna be 30,000 people rocking the, the Bitcoin world. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks, Avention. Thank you, you know, for everything you've done for the space dudes and, 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 and everybody out there. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Subscribe to the channel. And yeah, you will see me later this week. Thanks to everyone that's uh that's uh, contributed to the today's show. See you soon, guys. Bye-bye. And uh, let me get rid of uh we're off the